You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime, really just my everything, at Eric Dalala. Phil, I made it back. You tried to leave me in the South Beach to fend for myself among the Super Bowl LIV fans, uh-huh. visitors, guests. And but I swam back <laughs> off the island, and I made it back to our media hotel down here in Miami, Florida. Yeah, we're uh, coming to you from the site of Super Bowl 54, or as Eric likes to say, LIV. Uh Beautiful day here in uh, Miami, and uh, this should be a nice little podcast. We're going to go over the sights and sounds here in Miami and uh, talk to uh, some uh, national media members, got their thoughts on the Denver Broncos. We'll hear from Peter King a little bit later, plus uh, we'll dive into uh, some Hall of Fame stuff. The real reason why we're down here is uh, on Saturday night. They'll be uh, unveiling the next class of uh, Hall of Famers, and we're hoping to see if maybe two Broncos could be a part of that. Does that make this the Peter King podcast, since Peter King is on the podcast? No, it doesn't. This oh. is the neutral zone. Okay. And we'll be joined for oh, a short little got it. bit I see. with Peter King. I see. By Peter King. Yeah. So. No, uh, Hall of Fame, only a few days away. Uh, exciting. Yeah. I'm, then, I'm hoping we get some time to check out this golf course we're sitting yeah, next to. Yeah, we're sitting right next to a golf course. Uh, you might hear some misters in the background. That's because it's like uh, 70 degrees. Yeah. You know what I mean? 170 really degrees. beautiful. And uh, there's golf courses and uh, the ocean and everything. It's just a beautiful scene down here in Miami. This is kind of uh, the scene that Ben Swanson was made for. Yeah. We should also probably mention that uh, Ben Swanson... Somehow traveled all the way down here to try out for the role once again of podcast supervisor. Expen- we got a, quite the budget here. That's what I was going to say. The uh, neutral zone has quite the travel budget to send three people down to the Super Bowl. That's nice. But Swanson, you've been, uh, every time I've seen you, you've either been in the pool, you've been near the pool, you've been putting suntan oil on to get ready to go <laughs> to the pool. Well, you enjoying the town here? Of course. You know, this weather, I'm not going to going to find a pool that's open back in denver this time of year so you got to take advantage of it while you can that's true about the only bad thing phil the traffic you know it's yeah, a little uh, bit of traffic it's congested down here a lot of honk honking cars and stuff and uh that's just how they drive here you know but uh i've also been enjoying the pool you know trying to get my bronze on yeah of course I and mean, you know how it is oh i certainly do yes yeah so uh that's it that's italianos you know, exactly. you have to maintain a nice, exactly. a nice Healthy base. glow. Exactly. More of a glow. It comes from the pasta. Exactly. Uh, you try to maintain it during the winter months, and then you really get after it in the summer. Yeah, if you don't, um, you know, go after it from about May yeah. to September, you're yeah. not going to get enough of a base to maintain it yeah. through. Yeah, what are you even trying to do? Exactly. So you really got to get after it. We're in the maintain season right now. Yeah. But Miami helps. Get a boost. Get Exa- a little boost. Exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's dive into uh, the scene down here. Uh, We've been uh, hanging out down at Media Row. Uh, 
just a lot of uh, commotion and everything going on down there. And uh, you would expect nothing less, really, Eric. Yeah, they uh, got everything set up down at the Miami Beach Convention Center. Uh, big place. A lot of uh, walking, you know, but in that media row, it's kind of a who's who of around. You might look one direction and see Sean Payton, the New Orleans Saints head coach. You might look another direction and see Ron Rivera, the Redskins' new coach. Uh, we ran into Von Miller, of course. Several Broncos kind of running around this week, but that's what's cool for me. It's at the whenever the NFL world converges somewhere, it's always, uh, at least for me, even though we see these guys, you know, all the time, it's cool to see them in one place. And, you know, that doesn't get old necessarily. Yeah. And I uh, got a chance to talk to some national media members and get their perspective on how the Broncos wrapped up the season and what was going on uh, there as the Broncos finished four and one to wrap up the year. And, uh, this is what uh, Peter King had to say about the Broncos' uh, strong finish to 2019. Yeah, I think one of the things that you saw at the end of the season is the effect of what Vic Fangio did all year, which was, in essence, this is who we are. This is how we're going to play. Um, Drew Brees has a great statement about what he believes in sort of playing quarterback and also greatness in general. If, if you're confident in your process, if you're confident in what you're doing, then keep doing it regardless of what the scoreboard says. And Breeze always, I think, has done that. That's when he talks to a high school team, that's what he'll say. He, he, he says it to everybody. And I think that when Vic Fangio came in, he said, guys, here's what we're doing. And for a while, it didn't look too good. But when you adjust a team, when you adjust a scheme, when you, when you adjust the offensive and defensive system, it's going to take a while. And that's what he did. And I think now the big thing is, you know, when you change your offensive staff, you know, after one year, you know, you've got to get a total, total buy-in from Drew Locke. You've got to get a guy who, you know, okay, so he takes some time off, but he can't show up on – whatever it is, April 20th, and, and say, okay, guys, let's go. I mean, he's got to show up knowing what Pat Shermer wants to do and to be confident in what Pat Shermer is doing. So, and I'm sure he will. He seems like a very earnest, energetic kid. He's a fun kid. You know, I've talked to him a few times. He's, and so, look, they got the defense going in the right direction. Um, I really, really think they should keep Justin Simmons. Come on, you got to keep Justin Simmons. To me, he's, you know, first of all, he never comes off the field. And he, to me, if, if you were to say who's the most underrated player in the NFL, I'd say Justin Simmons. Nobody knows who he is, but every game he makes three or four, you know, potential game-changing plays. But anyway, that's a windy answer to say, <laughs> I think they're going in the right direction. They got to keep Justin Simmons. So uh, Peter King, very high on Justin Simmons, hopes to see the Broncos uh, figure out a way to bring him back there. Call him the most underrated player in the NFL. Yeah, I think that that's probably, I mean, first of all, high praise from Peter, obviously, but I think you could make that argument. He might be, you know, forget about the, the NFL. I think there are still people that maybe underrate him locally in Denver, you know, fans or or local media. I know now the attention has kind of turned to, hey, he's a guy that you must find a way to be back. And John Elway has said repeatedly they're going to bring him back. Um, but yeah, I mean, until the end of this year, 
going into last year, that wasn't necessarily the thought process. He took a big step in year four, but I think people, uh, you know, maybe still underrate Justin even even uh, locally because I think if you said who's the best player on the Broncos' defense, I think a lot of people would name maybe Von Miller, maybe someone would say Bradley Chubb, Chris Harris, and really I think you could make the argument that Justin Simmons had the best season of any of those guys this past year. So um, why do you think that is, Phil? Maybe maybe to me it's just because Justin is such a nice guy in the locker room and he's not he's not flashy. Well, he's, you got to do doesn't it for a long trash. time. I mean, Von Miller's been doing it for ten years now. Yeah. So, but like Kareem Jackson gets a lot of attention. Yeah. Because he hits but, people hard. And he's a veteran, though, too. I think yeah. Justin will get the respect that he deserves if the Broncos are able to work something out here. If he comes back next year, I think he'll start to get the respect that uh, he deserves. So, uh, Also, a lot of talk down here about the Broncos hiring Pat Shermer. Uh, I believe Ian Rappaport said that it was the most... Uh, most underrated move the Broncos have made in a long time. We're just keeping with the underrated theme here. Yeah, exactly. This is an yeah. underrated version of the neutral zone. But it seems like the people are thinking the Broncos uh, really got a nice uh, snag here in the offseason. Yeah, and the uh, Rappaport, rap sheet as we like to call him, yeah. colloquially, he said uh, four other teams offered Shermer a job, and he was kind of surprised that Shermer chose Denver, but he said, hey, that's a big win for the Broncos. Um, and then Mike Shula, obviously coming in as a quarterbacks coach, nothing but good news for Drew Locke, who Phil, we kind of heard some positive things about there from Peter King. Um, we talked to, or you talked to Ed McCaffrey, um, former Broncos receiver. He had some good things to say about Drew Locke, and so, and then Rappaport, of course, talking about the impact Shermer can have on Drew. So I think that'll be the the key focus. Not everyone's convinced. I talked to John Clayton. He said we got to we got to wait and see. There's plenty of young guys last year that played well in their first couple games then fell off, so it's not enough for him. But to me, as we talk to these national guys, Phil, Simmons and Locke, those were the most important things we heard about. Yeah, it's, it's good to hear people talking about Drew Locke. I think that Drew has made his way down here to Miami. We'll see if we can uh, catch up with him at some point, maybe check out that interview on DenverBroncos.com. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting that some time has passed here, about a month since the end of the season, and uh, people are still talking about how Drew was able to finish up strong. And uh, I think that the big thing is, okay, are you going to get to work right away here on Pat Shermer? You heard that from Peter King. Is Okay, has Drew like gone and got some tape here on what Shermer likes to do on offense, start studying that, really get a uh, head start on that before they get into – uh, OTAs in the offseason program. Yeah, I thought that was perhaps the the most interesting part of P- your interview with Peter is that if Drew doesn't get started on this, he's going to be behind, you know, just because yeah. we kind of get this sense that guys show up in April and they get to work, but th- this can't wait until April, especially as a second-year quarterback that's learning his second offense in as many years in the pros, and then obviously he dealt with a bunch of different system changes at Mizzou. Um Knowing Drew, though, and and from what Peter King said, I doubt that'll be the case, you know. Yeah, no, I th- I bet you Drew's already started looking uh, into some stuff. But uh, at the same time, it's important to get a little bit of a break at the end of the season. So It's just uh, nice. I think what came up, too, Phil, is there's hope around this team. Yes. And we've, we've we talk to these guys every year, and I think a lot of the times there are questions of, well, what are they going to do at the quarterback position? Or how are they going to fill this hole? 
and, and there's still some of that. You know, there'll be holes to fill like there are for every team. But I think with Drew in place, with Shermer here, with guys like Justin Simmons, if, if he comes back and plays next year, um, to me the rhetoric from these national guys has changed to or changed from this is going to be really tough for the Broncos to be competitive to well, let's see what can happen here with Drew Locke. Yeah, most definitely. And the other thing that Peter mentioned in that little soundbite there was, uh, you know, Vic Fangio really stayed the course with his process. You know, it wasn't always easy at times as he tried to, you know, instill what he believes in and his philosophies. And, you know, I think that you saw at the end of the season, the Broncos were trending in the right direction. And a lot of that has to do with the mental toughness that uh, Fangio instilled way back in training camp and, the culture that he's trying to build of toughness and winning games late in the fourth quarter. I think you saw him stick through that process. Maybe players didn't always agree with what he was saying, but eventually the message got across. Yeah, and you'd like to think they've turned the corner and that it'll pay dividends. And and listen, Phil, we cover the team as much as anybody else, and we get this local perspective that sometimes I think can lead us to say, hey, this team's going to be able to win you know, 10 games every year. And because we're so close to it and don't have that perspective necessarily on other teams. So to me, when I hear national guys talking about the Broncos in a more positive way, that to me is reassuring that kind of the the national sense or the one where they compare all these teams, um, that seems like a good sign to me. And it it wouldn't be a surprise if when these guys start making playoff predictions here, you know, months down the road. The way too early. Exactly. Predictions for that the Broncos could be in the conversation this year. Yeah. Whereas, whereas last year, that wasn't the case. Yeah, and I think that uh, I've been really surprised at the reaction to the Pat Shermer hiring. People just brought that up on their own, saying, "Hey, that was that was a big get." So, uh, seems like uh, while the NFL world is focused on wrapping up this 2019 season with what should be a great Super Bowl, some conversation about uh, what the Broncos have been doing there. Uh, and uh, the direction that the team is heading in for next season. Let's uh, turn the page now to uh, Hall of Fame talk. Had a chance to, uh, oh, Eric, you really had a chance to jump in and ask some NFL Network personalities, some Hall of Famers in their own right, what they thought about Steve Atwater's candidacy. We heard from uh, first here Michael Irvin and then Deion Sanders. Steve Atwater was a beast, man. He was just flat out, he was a beast, you know. And, and, and he came up, the way he played safety was the way you play safety. I mean, you did not want to get hit like Steve Atwater, man. And you, you, we'll all remember, we all remember you know, the Christian Accordier play, boom, he, in his tracks right there. It shows you the kind of hitter he is. So do, you, do I believe he's a Hall of Famer? I, I played against him in college, played against him in the NFL. Absolutely, Steve Atwater belongs. Uh, uh, with the gold jacket. Steve Edwards was a dog, man. He was great. He was unbelievable. Uh, safety that truly made a difference. Fierce competitor. Force to be reckoned with. Uh, he was something. He a dog, Eric. That's uh, some high praise there from a couple of gold jackets uh, of their own. Yeah, you know, Deion Sanders and Michael Irvin, Phil, they got away with words. He yes, said Steve Edwards a beast. Steve Edwards a dog. He played safety the way you want to play safety. He's that guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I liked uh, Steve Atwater absolutely belongs with the gold jackets. Yeah. That's so, good headline fodder. Yeah. No, the, I mean, coming from a couple of guys that in uh, Michael Irvin he played against, and then, uh, you know, a fellow defensive back and Deion Sanders there, I know that they got to 
spent some time at Pro Bowls and stuff like that. So uh, it seems like momentum is building here for Steve Atwater as we uh, draw near one day now before the Hall of Fame vote. Yeah, we heard that from a couple Hall of Fame voters. Uh, John Clayton, like we mentioned before, he said momentum's building for Steve Atwater. He thought that because there's only one first ballot Hall of Famer in uh, Troy Polamalu, that maybe that opens the door for you know a safety or two to get in. Uh, Peter King, you know, thought it was difficult to say. I think he said there were no real slam dunk cases this year, but he said he'd like to see two safeties going as well. Um, Steve, obviously, in addition to being a great guy, very deserving, a two-time first-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Bowler. He's on the 90s All-Decade team. I think one of two guys uh, on the 90s All-Decade team to not be in the Hall of Fame. Um, so he, you know, he has shown that he deserves that place whether it's this year or at some other point. Um, and John Lynch, too, of course, a Broncos ring of famer. I think I think uh, one of two players who have made four Pro Bowls with two separate teams to not be in the Hall of Fame. So seeing either one of those guys get in would be nice, but obviously with as well as we know Steve, uh, we're pulling for him extra hard. Yeah, it seems like, from my perspective, this year's group of finalists really wide open other than Troy Palomalo, who seems like maybe a slam dunk here to get in. It just so happens to be that Troy Palomalo plays the same position as Steve Atwater and John Lynch. Uh, Peter King did mention that uh, for years the Hall of Fame voters really haven't uh, done justice to the safety position, a little bit underrepresented in Canton. So he thought maybe this would be a chance to uh, get some well-deserving safeties in there. And uh, who knows, maybe it could be – what would be known as a safety class do you see any scenario where lynch atwater and palomalo could all go in it's hard to predict what they can what they'll do you know yeah because usually they like to spread it around a little bit you know maybe a couple wide receivers that are deserving this year running back uh maybe an offensive lineman a guy like tony baselli from colorado uh he could have a chance there so i it would be hard for me to imagine that uh they pick three safeties, but you never know. Yeah, I mean, I would kind of agree with you there that I, I would think maybe two safeties, a running back, a wide receiver. You've got Isaac Bruce and Reggie Wayne both up for induction. And then one of those offensive linemen that's there, the, a Steve Hutchinson, um, an Alan Fanica, a Baselli, like you mentioned. Um, but I think that's the path for either Steve or John Lynch. It's obviously you have to be that second safety because I do think Troy is going to get a spot in that five-person group, and again, they can they can elect as many as five from a a fifteen-person uh, list of finalists. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. It does seem like um, there's been momentum for Steve building. I think for John Lynch, uh, it could be that his team. You know, of course, he's the general manager of the 49ers. They're playing in the Super Bowl here. He's been in the spotlight a lot here the last couple of weeks. There could be some momentum building for him there, too. And um, John Lynch is seven-time finalist. He's been in that room on Saturday. It'll be this for the seventh time waiting for that knock. So, uh, you know, uh, and cruel to make him wait for so long just sitting in that room. Yeah, and I think for John, the fact that he's been in the room so many times, Peter King talks about this a lot, is you get in the room, and that's what's important, you know, as one of those 15 finalists, and you get in the room enough times, and it pays off for you. Um, our PR guru, Patrick Smythe, sent Ooh. out 
uh, PR guru. PR, PR guru. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he sent out a tweet that there's been 15 players ever who have been a finalist for seven consecutive years. Uh, only two of them have not been inducted into the Hall of Fame. And one of those is John Lynch, right? Uh, of course. Yeah. And so I think that goes to show that you get up there enough. Um, I do think there's probably some semblance of a, um, like, he's paid his dues mentality from the committee. Um, so, so we'll see. I don't know if that means that John Lynch gets in this year, if it means he gets in next year. He, I think, still has plenty of years left, you know, as a modern-era finalist. Um, I know some of these guys kind of consider once you go to that senior candidacy pool, which I believe is, what, 25 years after yeah. uh, your career ends, then it gets really tough because they're picking one guy or two guys a year. Yeah, um, you really got a window there where you got to capitalize on. Exactly. Where people still remember your playing career and you still have enough momentum. It's it's very political, in my personal opinion, that you just got to get some momentum. You got to get your name out there. You got to you know, work it a little bit to just sort of see, you know, let people remember, like, hey, remember, this guy has a lot on his resume here that is Hall of Fame worthy. And hopefully for one, Steve Atwater, hopefully now that he's been working with us a little bit, his name's out there more, uh, that helps build a little bit of momentum. And then obviously for John Lynch, seven years in a row, hopefully that is enough to just sort of every year there's somebody standing up in that meeting stumping for these guys. And so hopefully – you know, this is the year where they're like, oh, yeah, these, these guys are deserving. We do have some uh, semblance of an idea of how things might go. Uh, ben Swanson, you've got yeah. some inside details about the Hall of Fame process. Well, I don't, but Jason Cole does. He's a Hall of Fame voter, and every year he does a uh, survey to kind of get an idea of what, what voting might play out like. Uh, this year he surveyed 328 people. Uh, that includes 28 Hall of Famers. 37 current or former head coaches, 39 current or former general managers. I assume the rest of that's kind of filled out by media personalities and other people around the game. Uh, so he surveyed them with a list of finalists to see, uh, allow them to pick up the five guys that they want to see in the Hall of Fame. And so Paul Malo got the most of the votes. He's the only guy who got more than 50%. Uh, but Steve Atwater came in second there with uh, 143 votes. The I'm not sure how much of a how much you want to take away from this because there's only only 22 votes separate him from uh, from John Lynch who comes in at uh, I think seventh. So I think between the number two through number seven guy, there's not a whole lot of separation. But I do think it's a good indication that Steve's second there. Yeah, it was interesting because um, I think both Steve and Lynch, if I'm remembering cor- correctly, are well ahead of Leroy Butler, who's another safety uh, in this group of finalists and so I think it it might show you that if they're going to pick a second guy it might come down to those two Broncos Um, I mean Jason Cole did kind of clarify there at the end that this doesn't necessarily always predict what's going to happen there's been times when the 14th person on this list has been inducted into the Hall of Fame and you know Phil it seems to me like there are times where there are almost concessions made in that voting room like hey if we're going to put in x player then we're going to put in this player um and so i think a lot of it becomes you know in this case if there's four offensive linemen in the top five or whatever um you know not all not all four of those guys are going in so it becomes kind of like a puzzle you have to piece together but i do think phil that when you're writing the history of the game steve atwater and john lynn should both be part of it and you think back to those super bowl teams 
no Hall of Famers on defense right now for the Broncos. Steve would be the first. Yeah, and uh, the other thing I think you got to think about is like the guys who have come before some of these current guys. You know, like uh, I know that Ed Reed last year talked about how much of an influence Steve Atwater was for him. You know, maybe Troy Polamalu wouldn't have been the safety that he was if it wasn't for guys like Steve and John. So you'd like to think that they'd honor some of the guys who have really changed the way the position is played. So, you know, Steve said, you know, or John Lynch said that he used to watch Steve Atwater tape, yeah. to, you know, to get to where he is. So I think that uh, you talk to enough of these guys and they clearly have a lot of respect. Phil, you and I were talking the other day about Super Bowl teams and Hall of Famers. And you look back at that, those 97, 98 teams, and you've got, you've got Shannon Sharp, you've got John Elway. You know, you've got Terrell Davis. Davis. Gary Zimmerman. Exactly. And now maybe uh, Steve Atwater as a possibility. That's a We talked about kind of how you you kind of need a core of Hall of Fame guys to win a Super Bowl. You think back to uh, the Broncos Super Bowl 50 team. Uh, you'll have Peyton Manning who will go in. You'll have Demarcus Ware who's going to go in. You've got Vaughn Miller who's going to go in. You know, so it, it's kind of interesting to – I love if, if one of our listeners wanted to uh, take a look back at every single Super Bowl team and – Maybe give us an average Hall of Fame per roster. Do your job for you. For you. <laughs> yes, that I saying? think that's Swanson's job. Yeah, to just do a little bit of research and yeah. just have some uh, interesting takes. Yeah, I agree with you. We were talking about this just sort of uh, what does it take to win a Super Bowl? And uh, we mentioned that maybe if your quarterback is a Hall of Famer, you don't need quite as many Hall of Famers around you. But, uh, you know, what's interesting about what you just said is that, that those early Broncos teams in the 90s or all, all, right now, all of the Hall of Famers are on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Steve could be the first uh, defender from those teams. Then you flash forward to the uh, the second Super Bowl. It seems like more of the talent was on the defensive side. So it's sort of interesting how that uh, Yeah, that's true. Out. I guess another guy to mention from Super Bowl 50, uh, Akeem Tlaib, could also end up could have a some, potential could Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. He's a guy that I would expect to maybe be in be the conversation. F- yeah, be in the conversation, maybe takes a few times as a finalist. Um, but yeah, it is, it is interesting. It's hard to think off the top of your head about every Super Bowl team, obviously, but I mean, you think back to even last year, you've got Brady for the Patriots, you've got Gronk, um, Edelman, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think Stefan, Stefan Gilmore has played at a high level here. If he does that for a few more years, he could be in the conversation at cornerback, um, I mean, it's not crazy to say, hey, you need talent to win a Super Bowl, but it's very but interesting. But Hall of Fame yeah, talent exactly. is interesting. Exactly, yeah. Be- because we do hear sometimes, hey, you got to win Super Bowls with guys on rookie contracts. Exactly. And so that's kind of been like the the new way to do it. You look at the Seahawks back when Russell Wilson was on his rookie contract um, or the Eagles with Carson Wentz on his rookie contract. I know Nick Foles came in there, but the, the money yeah. standpoint out of it allowed them to win, but – it is interesting. To, but you do need the, the Hall of Fame talent as well, I think. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, Eric, uh, two days away now from Super Bowl 54 kicking off. Uh, a lot of talk this week about all the teams diving into every angle of this matchup. Who do you like? I don't like the Chiefs, but I think the Chiefs are going to win. You do? Yeah. Um just because you're an AFC kind of guy, huh? It, it was interesting. I think I read a, maybe the Athletics Super Bowl preview or something like that. A lot of uh, Niners picks among NFC uh, First writers. of all, no free handouts on this podcast. This you know is just I mean? like a you little taste. Okay, fine. And uh, a lot of AFC writers pick the Chiefs. But, no, I just 
I think in a on the biggest of stages, you want to pick the quarterback that you believe in the most. Ooh, and I I believe in Patrick Mahomes more than I believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. And, uh, you know, the Niners have suffered some, as good as that defense is, they've suffered some last-second losses this year where they've allowed teams to go down the field uh, and score. Almost had another one against Seattle uh, there at the end of the year when they stopped them on the, the one-inch line. And so if there's a situation where the Chiefs are within striking distance in the fourth quarter, Mahomes has played enough of these games against the Patriots over the last couple of years where I think, he, uh, I think he's going to be ready. And as much as it's going to pain Broncos country – I think the Chiefs are going to hoist the Lombo. Really? Yeah. Well, see, I'm going another way. I like the 49ers. And okay. I'll tell you why. You know what wins Super Bowls, Eric? What wins Super Bowls, Phil? When you're able to run the football, control the time of possession, and play really good defense. And if you look at the two defenses here, I think that, in my opinion, the 49ers, the talent that they have up front, the Bosa's, the Buckner's, there's just you're talking about first round talent all across that defensive line. If they're able to dominate the line of scrimmage there, really get after Mahomes, keep him contained in the pocket. Really, we saw Mahomes all postseason when he gets loose and he's able to freestyle out there. That's where he does a lot of his damage, especially if he's able to just run. He turned into a running quarterback against the Titans. I think that if you can contain him in the pocket and the 49ers have the pass rush to do that, I think that you can have success against him on, on defense. They're going to still score their points. I mean, you got to be up by, like, 45 points to be able to just feel comfortable. But I think In the that, fourth uh, quarter, maybe. Exactly, in the fourth quarter. Um, but I think this 49ers team, if anybody's going to be able to beat this Chiefs squad, I think the 49ers are built to do it. We saw the running game against the Packers. They were really uh, mustard. Mozart? Yeah, Mostert. Uh, got it. Uh, the the way he was able to run the ball against the Packers in the NFC Championship, I think uh, shows you that they can dominate that way. And then if they need to, Garoppolo really can spread the ball around. He's done that in the season. They were able to go to New Orleans and win a big game there where it was high scoring. And uh, it, it could come down to a matchup of tight ends. And uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, what a, what a matchup there. So... When I look at games like this that are between, uh, you know, pretty evenly matched teams, I think of which team has more ways to win. Mm. And I think that the Niners have a very specific way that they can win, and it's run the football, control the clock, and then, you know, get after Mahomes. And the, but there's not situations like if they jump out to a – if the Chiefs jump out to an early lead, a 10 nothing lead – that forces the Niners, I think, out of the way they want to play the game. Whereas the Chiefs can be up 10 nothing, the Chiefs can be down 10 nothing. You know, it can be a tied game throughout. There are more situations because of Mahomes where I feel like they're still in the game no matter what happens early. You know, say that say the Chiefs take the opening kickback for a touchdown, and then all of a sudden the Niners are down seven nothing. They go three and out because there's a little bit of jitters there on your first Super Bowl offensive possession, and then but the Chiefs the score Chiefs again. Don't do that. It's their first. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I just think the the big game um, experience that Mahomes had probably outweighs the few that Jimmy Garoppolo has been able to have. The um, 49ers, on the few occasions they did struggle, was playing a guy like Russell Wilson this year who um, in some ways has a similar game to Mahomes where can throw from the pocket but can also scramble around and make plays. So 
I, I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be a close matchup, but um, that's why I give the edge to Kansas City. Yeah, I, I, I think that one thing we know for sure is it should be a good game. Unless for some reason just one team just has a complete meltdown. But on paper, it looks like that it should be a great game. Two really great offensive minds calling plays on both sides there. Uh, Andy Reid, been in a Super Bowl before. Kyle Shanahan, a lot of experience You know, with Atlanta was there calling plays. And then uh, he was around, obviously, his dad with the Broncos in Super Bowls. So, If there's going to be a blowout... Do you lean – you would think San Francisco would blow them out? Or do you – Either way it could okay, happen. Okay. I think either way it could happen. I think it's much more likely for Kansas City to blow them out than – I think you're sleeping on the 49ers. You thought that the Vikings were going to beat them. I did. Uh, I think that you're sleeping on them because the, once they get this momentum rolling, they got a lot of talent. You know, they, they can put up points in a hurry. Just because they beat the Packers that way doesn't mean that they're incapable of doing it uh, other ways. And – you know, George Kittle is a great tight end. Obviously, our friend Emmanuel Sanders there, uh, he can uh, go over when the his top. Second, yeah, win his you second know. Super Bowl. Yeah. There's a lot of talent. I'm, I'm stuck guys. on the quarterback. Yeah, I know you You are. know. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty good. Plus. We don't know what Jimmy if, Garoppolo is. If you're like Tyron we have Matthew no idea. and you're looking in the backfield and then you get a glimpse of those eyes. That's true. Jimmy Garoppolo's eyes. Like, he can't take his helmet off to show off his hair. So... That is a disadvantage, yeah. but the eyes will still come through there. Yeah, maybe you know? he could get, like, a clear helmet so you could still see yeah. his hair, but he's still protected. And then the bright lights of the Super Bowl, you know, they're really going to twinkle. Yeah, the rainbow uh, particles that are in there be real I mean, nice. it could really throw him off. Yeah. Swanson, know? do you have a, a Super Bowl favorite here? I'm going to go with the Chiefs as well. I, I don't want it to happen, but I agree with you. All the reasons you said – I. I trust the quarterback more. I I think they've kind of endured their scare this playoffs, and I think that uh, that they've kind of been tested through their adversity, and I think they'll be able to kind of, you know, if they do fall down, you know, by a touchdown or two, I still think that they have a really good shot to overcome that. Um, yeah, I, I just think they're more battle-tested. That's a good point there is that when you look at a team's run to the Super Bowl, whoever wins it, you rarely see a team – just go through with no problems through the whole thing. And so far, the Niners haven't had a problem. Obviously, the Chiefs went down 24 nothing to the Texans. They went down 17-7 to uh, to the Titans. And they were able to fight back from that. So, you, you know, if something like that happens, they're not going to panic in this situation. It's interesting how, like, uh, you could take anything that, and really just spin it. You're like, how great was that? The, the Chiefs are so good, they were down 24 nothing. It was you know, great. You, yeah. can just, uh, you can just say it. You could just say anything and make it a positive, I guess. That's uh, why. You know, it's better like than not being host. down twenty-four nothing. What is that? Just dominating all of your mm. opponents, which is what the 49ers did. What What happens if the Niners get down though, and they're like, "We haven't done this all year." Well, no, I think that they've been in games where they've gone back and forth. I point back to that that Saints game on the road. They were able to put up points and get into a shootout and still come out on top. Uh, I really think that you're underestimating the 49ers. Patrick Mahomes dislocated his kneecap, and now he's playing in a Super Bowl. Yeah. That's with, crazy. And he put it back with some duct tape. Yeah. It's still you floating know, around it, in there. Yeah. I will say, I was amazed by that run he had against the Titans. Yeah, I still can't get over that. Yeah. Because he's really not a running quarterback. But he... No. He's, but he... Yeah. Man, he is I, amazing. I think the, I was, the problem with that, that is that... Um, you just still think he's going to throw, even as yeah. he's heading toward the line of scrimmage, so you can't leave your guy. 
because he's done that so many times where he finds Tyreek or Kelsey. He doesn't even or, have to look at his wide receiver. Yeah. He could just throw it anywhere. Exactly. So that that is what makes him tough. So uh, it, it would be nice. I think I know we don't want the Chiefs to win as Broncos fans, but Andy Reid's been in the league a long time. I wouldn't be guy. upset to see him win a Super Bowl. Yeah, and he's had uh, some of these like unfortunate mishaps with like clock management and things like that as the game is winding down where maybe there's a little bit of a gaffe there but obviously a great guy you can see how he works with the media you know he always wears those hawaiian shirts i thought it was awesome when the chiefs traveled out here to miami they wore all those uh red hawaiian shirts so that's what we've been wearing all week yeah well you when we've been wearing shirts yeah i was gonna say you've uh, chosen to uh not wear a shirt for most of the time here that's what went on when we head out to the links that's why uh, we couldn't record this in the um, media center because uh, Eric got kicked out of exactly. there. Exactly. So. Yeah, we're on the sidewalk. Yeah, yeah exactly. So that's why we're uh, right here by the pool with the misters. And uh, you might have heard some airplanes go over top. So we're just out here by the airport. So <laughs> uh, Swanson, I think it's that time in the show where we uh, try to check in with some emailers. Yeah. Uh, as always... All our fans can write in to uh, neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. This one comes from our friend John, who lives in Orlando. Um, I think last podcast we talked about how uh, some iguanas might be freezing up. Uh, it was very cold down here in Florida. I think a temperature hovering around 35 degrees. And uh, we talked about how iguanas, because they're cold-blooded, uh, there was a risk that they could, I guess, get too cold and just kind of fall down. They weren't dead, but... They just too cold to do anything. So uh, John wanted to write in uh, to say that he doesn't see a whole lot of uh, iguanas in Orlando, but that we would see some down in Miami. And then he gave us his thoughts on on the Super Bowl. He, as a Broncos fan, is rooting for the Chiefs. I thought that was interesting. He said, "Go Chiefs." That's wrong. Yeah. He does say he's a little conflicted. He said, "With Sanders and Shanahan and Lynch on the 49ers, it's a lot of Bronco representation." But he still can't root for him. He says, Dallas, Giants, 49ers, Redskins, and Seahawks are teams I just can't back, especially since our loss to the 49ers was the largest discrepancy in Super Bowl history. So for L.A. and the Orange Crush, I will root for the Chiefs. Yeah, he's going back to the uh, Super Bowl losses there for teams that uh, he just can't get behind. I can understand that to some extent. I like to live in the present, though. And presently, it would be really bad if we had to hear from Chiefs fans about how they won the Lombardi. Yeah, there's two ways you could uh, approach this. You could say, look, it would be awesome to have some AFC West representation ho- hoisting the Lombardi. That's one way of thought. I don't particularly the subscribe right way. to that, that school of thought because uh, we go on the road. We go to Arrowhead, they're and gonna, for them gonna, to have that on the Broncos, I don't want to see that. They might hoist the trophy. They might hoist a, hoist a banner against In the my Broncos. In particular opinion, I thought it was awesome that it took them 50 years to uh, win – the AFC championship again. Nearly the uh, whole second part of your life. The tro- <laughs> Almost, yeah. <laughs> uh, the trophy, the AFC trophy is named after Lamar Hunt. And the fact that Lamar they won it. Lamar Hunt. Oh, okay. Yeah. The uh, the great Kansas City Chiefs family that, uh, that uh, runs that organization. Uh, so for them to not win it for 50 years was pretty awesome. And, uh, I'm not sure if I can handle seeing like a Kelsey up there, you know. I'm so, you know that would be the kind of thing where maybe somehow my TV turns off before that happens. It breaks. It just breaks. 
you know. So uh, there's a shoe in it. That could be, that could be that that type of a scene if you if you come over to the Milani house. It's always nice over there. It is nice. It is nice. You do a, a you nice do a nice spread. job. Yeah, I the do a host spread. with the most. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, what do you like to eat uh, on Super Bowl Sunday? Mm. Yeah, I uh, I'm not like a big meal guy, you know. Like on a Super Bowl Sunday, I don't want like a whole entree, but uh, some buffalo chicken dip is nice. Um, guac, of course. I'm a big uh, hint of lime chip fan. Yeah, those are nice. Yeah, I'm a big chips chips guac chips queso kind of guy. For yeah, I don't want to sit down and eat a meal while I'm watching the Super Bowl. You know, and then maybe an adult beverage or two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just two, <laughs> just two. <laughs> Per possession. Uh, do you uh, subscribe to the thought that... Uh, I subscribe to the neutral zone on nachos, the Broncos audio zone. It's Stitcher, nachos, iTunes. Yeah, exactly. Tune do in, you, Spotify. Do you personally believe that nachos... Can nachos be a meal or are they just strictly appetizers? I would never order them as a meal, but I think they can be. You would never do that, though? No. Why I'm not... not? Um, I like to maybe dabble in a nice plate of nachos, but... Uh, you don't want to live there. Exactly. I don't want to okay. swim around in there. Got it. Yeah. Got it. This See, ain't pers- a pool in Miami. <laughs> Personally, I uh, I know you would you would live there. You yeah. build a little house yeah. out of the I would buy several roof. properties yeah. within the nacho community. Yeah, exactly. You little know. roof made out of olives, maybe a sidewalk uh, paved with some guac. So if you if you get the right nacho situation, you like olives. I I would just stay there forever. Maybe not on my nachos, but in mm. general, I like olives. Got it. Because like I think a lot of places olives put olives on your nachos. Black olives. And I don't enjoy that. Yeah. See, I like olives. Uh, I like olives like uh, with my drinks, maybe like as a little bit of a, just a, something to nibble on. Mm. Maybe like with a nice glass of wine. Oh. Yeah. I, that's how I would uh, enjoy Got it. it. That's kind of the Italiano in you, huh? You know, The no. Paisan. Uh, you have to be Italian to work for the Broncos these that's days. That's true. So it's we know that. Kind of a mandate. It is. It is. So. So uh, anything Swansano. else? Swansano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wanted to thank John again for writing in. And I also Thanks, wanted John. to mention that uh, people can call into our phone line. Our, uh, and call in at 707-NEUTRAL. That's 707-638-8725. If you'd like to be heard on the podcast, drop us a line. Send us an email at neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. However you'd like, just get in touch, and we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, please uh, call in and uh, leave a voicemail. Maybe let us know what you thought about the Super Bowl. We'll be back uh, next week after the game. I think, Swanson, uh, where are you heading to uh, after Miami? I know you've been on the road for uh, five to six weeks now. I am never going back. <laughs> now The weather's been great here after that uh, freezing day, but uh, I guess I'll be going back to Denver. I don't even know what I'm. how am I going to live there. I've been wearing short sleeves and shorts, and I, I can't go to the snow stuff anymore. Yeah, I, I will say that the forecast says that uh, Monday and Tuesday, once we get back, there will be some snow. So soak up uh, these rays of sunshine. And, uh, oh, uh, your wife also says don't come back. So <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I was supposed to give that message to you. I'm sorry. Uh, that took me a second there. So, um all right, any shout-outs, Eric, before we wrap this thing up? Obviously, Liz Manis. Yeah, obviously, Liz Manis. Um, maybe shout-out to the uh, the guy at the uh, media party that we uh, Oh yeah. We saw. If he's to... listening, yeah. Uh, 
showed us. Uh, yeah, Rob, I believe his name was. Rob, yeah. Yeah. He provides peak performance to college athletic programs, which build on hashtag champion, hashtag habits. Yeah. Uh, a nice uh, employee there uh, showed us. They had a, like a little uh, fake casino night going yeah. on. And, uh, he was uh, very helpful in uh, teaching us some things. Yep. Rob, you've uh, got more Twitter followers than Phil and I combined. So if you could uh, maybe retweet us. You know, when you roll the dice, you say, yo, 11. Yeah, exactly. Shooter, shooter. Shooter. So we learned how to play craps. It was kind of a... Fun. And by learn, they took all our free chips. They took the free chips that we yeah. had to just play around with. Yeah. So. All right. I think that's going to uh, wrap up this episode of the Neutral Zone. Talked a little bit about uh, the national media here and their thoughts on the Broncos and then dove right head first in like Eric does into the pool. We did that when we talked about uh, Steve Atwater and John Lynch and their Hall of Fame credentials and then uh, wrapped up with some Super Bowl thoughts. So. Uh, join us again next week when we're back in Denver in studio. A lot of things to talk about, and I, I believe that Pat Shermer will eventually, finally, be introduced to the media uh, next week. So we'll uh, have that wrapped up uh, coming up next week on the Neutral Zone. But until then, for Ben Swanson, Eric Dalal, I'm Phil Milani. You've been listening to The, the Neutral, Neutral Zone. Zone.